Hi there, and welcome to Open Minds, the show that is dedicated to reducing the stigma around mental illness. I'm Candy McNeil. I am here today with Lindsay O'Reilly. She is a dietitian at the University of Guelph. Um, Lindsay, maybe you could start just by telling us a little bit about some of what you do and your role here at the university. I see students for a variety of concerns, anything from I want to try a vegetarian diet to what should I eat because I started working out or someone struggling with an eating disorder um, or irritable bowel syndrome. So during a one-on-one appointment, we go through where you're at in terms of food, any symptoms that you're having and any goals, and then we work together to come up with a plan. And then in addition to seeing students one-on-one, they work with the Wellness Center to help plan and run health and wellness programs on campus. So for example, I hold cooking classes three times a semester aimed at teaching students just basic cooking skills. Have you met clients who don't want to come in or um, don't want to um, have treatment for fear of stereotypes? Mm-hmm. So if a student has come in to see me, they've taken that first step to booking the appointment and that for a lot of students takes a lot of courage and I applaud that for sure because I'm sure there are a lot of other students struggling on campus that haven't taken that first step to book the appointment. Um, so if they've come in to see me, that's great. Um, there are some students that I see once or twice and then I don't see them again and unfortunately I don't know um, usually why that is the case. It could be related to stigma Um, and there are some students that I see that are nervous about seeing other practitioners so they might be seeing me on a regular basis but they're nervous about booking an appointment with a doctor or going to counseling services because it can be a lot to tell and retell your story um, over and over again and you're right as well there sometimes is um, a stigma involved in accessing different services on or off campus. Are there any stereotypes that you've heard, maybe when you tell people what you do for a living, let's Mm -hmm. say, about eating disorders, depression, bipolar, mental health issues generally? Mm -hmm. So there are certainly a lot of stereotypes around food specifically. Um, And I always joke that it's never fun to be the dietitian at a potluck or a food party because everyone, um, a lot of people perceive that I'm judging their food choices, which I'm not. And uh, the stance that I come from is that all foods can fit and be part of a healthy diet and a healthy routine. Um, But I think that that is often a concern to students that initially come in to see me. Um, They think that I might force them to make a lot of really extreme changes, um, and that really isn't the case. I try to really meet them where they're at um, and work within goals that they feel are realistic. Um, And again, my stance is that all foods can fit and that really it is your habits that determine your health, not the number on the scale. So I very rarely weigh clients that I see, and I think in our society that's one of um, the biggest stereotypes around food or weight is that the number on the scale or your your BMI determines your health, which um, the research now is showing us that that really is not the case, but it it is really hard to move away from that. I love that you take that stance, and that's part of why I feel so comfortable referring to you mm-hmm. as some of the people that I work with, because I know they're going to get that really non-judgmental attitude. Um, it's funny in our culture, isn't it, how we've associated character traits with you know whether or not you eat cake. Yeah. Any idea how that's happened? 
I don't know. It's it's tough because everyone has to eat, so everyone has an opinion about food, and so there are a lot of extreme approaches or fad diets out there, um, and it can be really hard to move past that and really focus on what you're feeling and finding an approach that really works for you if, when you're constantly bombarded with these messages. Um, but I think it really does come down to the fact that everyone has to eat and so everyone has an opinion on food and it's often a topic of conversation which um, isn't always necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could see how it would not necessarily be comfortable to be a dietitian at a potluck mm -hmm. and how that might not always be a, a fun thing. It is interesting though, it does seem to me like people feel more shame around their food choices mm -hmm. than they do around some other things. Like I have clients who would much rather tell me um, that they drank way too much mm -hmm. than tell me that um, that they binged or they overate. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if someone comes to see a dietitian. you know, are you talking just about the facts of the food or are you also talking about those emotional pieces that get connected? Yeah, I, um, I try to speak to the emotional piece as well and try to refer them to other supports like yourself so that they do have support in those areas. Um, and I wonder if food is a little bit different, again, because everyone eats, so everyone has judgments about food and it's something that we have to do multiple times per day versus you might be in a drinking situation once a week or once every couple of weeks. But food is something that we have to confront multiple times per day and make choices about multiple times per day. And so for a lot of students, that feels really overwhelming and they're constantly preoccupied with thoughts about did I make the right choice did I make the wrong choice or I'm standing in the line at Starbucks and this is what I want to get but the person beside me is ordering um, something else that maybe I think is healthier so will they think that I'm making an unhealthy choice if I order um, the vanilla latte with whipped cream that I really want to get and so um, that constant fear of, of being judged about the choices that you're making on a day-to-day -day basis. I think that sums up really well maybe also what part of the problem is if you're already feeling insecure, you're mm -hmm. already somebody who wonders, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? Mm -hmm. This is just another way for it to manifest. And he Absolutely. does that several times a day, every day. You can't get away from it. So I could see why people really become preoccupied with it. Yeah. I'm often surprised um, that more people don't have eating disorders in mm -hmm. a culture like ours where we have so many kind of screwy ideas about food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can the services of a dietitian help somebody who is struggling, particularly with an eating disorder, mm -hmm. but maybe even with other mental health issues like depression or anxiety? Mm -hmm. So an eating disorder is something that we often think of in terms of needing the help or assistance of a dietitian because the symptoms are often related to food. But there are many other symptoms of mental health conditions where food can um, take a supportive role. So thinking about um, how often you eat over the course of the day and what you're eating over the course of the day, for example, can have a really substantial effect on your energy levels, your concentration, focus, and your mood. And I work with a lot of students that might be struggling with depression or anxiety and creating that foundation um, from a food standpoint or working on consistency from day to day day can really help um, with energy levels, concentration, and mood again. And if we can get those things to be a little bit more stable, then they're better able to manage 
other stressors or other symptoms that they may be experiencing. Kind of like if they make sure they get enough sleep, right? Mm-hmm, like absolutely. If, you, if you've only had three hours of sleep for a couple nights in a row and yeah. you already struggle with depression and anxiety, those symptoms will just be magnified. Absolutely, yeah. The same thing if you're not getting enough fuel in your body, right? Yeah. yeah. And so helping people to um, really see food and use food as part of their self-care. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. As a dietitian on a university campus, what do you think might be some of the barriers that stop students from coming in and accessing your services? I think, again, one of the main barriers is that they feel that they might be forced to make changes. So they might be at a place where they're not quite ready to make extreme changes or they're worried that they might be given a meal plan that's challenging for them to follow. And again, I try to meet them where they're at and set goals that they feel are comfortable and realistic. I find one of the other huge barriers is that sometimes students have been engaging in certain habits and they've been um, feeling certain symptoms for so long that they don't necessarily even recognize that it's a problem and they don't recognize that it can get better. Mm -hmm. So a lot of students that I see might actually come in to see me for something totally unrelated. For example, how do I improve my energy levels when I'm working out? Um, And when we go through their diet, I start to express some concern about maybe disordered eating habits or their relationship to food. And that opens up a new conversation and a new discussion about some of the symptoms that they've considered as kind of normal for them. And again, that's such a um, common theme in our culture that Mm -hmm. so many people use the term disordered eating. So they don't have an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, But elaborate on that. What does disordered eating look like? So I think that that means, again, not necessarily to the extent of a clinical eating disorder, but some issues in your relationship with food. I find that students tend to fall into two categories. Either they spend zero time thinking about food over the course of the day, they don't make it a priority at all, um, and other students that make it too much of a priority. So they stress a lot and they really plan it in advance. Um, And I try and work with students to find that middle ground. So food can have an important impact on energy levels, concentration, and mood, um, but it's only one important component of our life and our overall routine. And um, disordered eating, for me, would come in when we're skewing on either side of that scale, either not at all paying attention to food or paying too much attention to food. Mm -hmm. That particular point reminds me of things like perfectionism, Mm -hmm. all or nothing thinking, um, some of the underlying ways a brain works that could be related to numerous mental health issues. Yes. Not just eating disorders, um, but things like anxiety and depression um, and certain personality disorders, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Where people really get stuck in very rigid kinds of patterns or they go to the other extreme where it's very chaotic and their eating is kind of catch as you can, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to at all thoughtful or planned. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, right? It's like, it is as fundamental to us as sleeping. Mm -hmm. And yet it does seem like we don't know as much as might be good for us, even just about the basics. When you mentioned having a cooking class for students, I was thinking, 
really, I think I'm stunned sometimes by the number of people who are like, I wouldn't know how to cook chicken if I tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the cooking classes and what that's been like for you to lead those. Yeah, it's been um, a really fun experience. I like having the balance of seeing students one-on-one and then seeing them in a group setting. So the cooking classes are held about once a month over the course of the semester. And it costs $3 for students to attend. And we usually make about three recipes um, together. So you're split into small groups and there's no prior cooking knowledge or skill required. We try and tackle basic cooking skills like how to cook rice and how to cook pasta. Um, But that said, I try and choose fun recipes that include flavors or ingredients that they might not have tried on their own. So it's an opportunity to meet new students and try a new recipe or a new food without having to um, buy it yourself or invest that money if you're not sure that you're going to like it. Um, so we cook in small groups, so everyone has hands-on experience and opportunity to try the different skills, and then we sit down at the end and eat kind of a family-style meal. Um, so you often get full dinner and then sometimes leftovers as well, which is a pretty good deal for $3. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay, that's awesome. I didn't know that that was available, and mm-hmm. um, maybe can put a link on my uh, website if people are interested just to find out more about that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of things in that that I especially love, um, the idea of it being fun mm-hmm. um, and um, and that people can get hands-on experience. Somehow food has become scary yeah. to a lot of people, and for you to bring fun back into that, meet new people, mm-hmm. try, try fun things that you might not have have tried on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great attitude to have around food, whether you struggle with mental health issues or not. Yeah, I agree. Food has become scary for a lot of people and stressful for a lot of students because they have so many things in their schedule already that they feel that they don't have the time to make food or feed themselves on a regular basis. So to be able to take that break, whether it's in a cooking class or taking some time with a friend or a roommate and making dinner together, it can be a really meaningful and relaxing experience. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes for students, it does feel uh, like 24-7 that they're thinking about school, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a job, you're done at five o'clock, you go home, yeah. you can let it off your mind. No, I still have that paper due. I still have this project that I have to work on. And so that idea of taking some downtime, yeah. some relaxation and some leisure, and that food could be part of that in a really um, positive and healthy way mm-hmm. um, is a great idea to kind of kill two necessary birds with one stone. Absolutely. That's awesome. Not talking about mental health issues in particular, but just generally because you are interested in, um, you've been very helpful with the eating disorder community here in Guelph. Can you talk a little bit about some of the stigmas that are related to weight, uh, underweight, overweight? Um, you mentioned earlier that there's some interview or some research coming out saying um, that health and uh, body weight are not as associated as we once thought they were. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, so again, I would say that the biggest stereotype is that um, the number on the scale or BMI determine your health when really I try to work with students to reevaluate their goals and set um, behavior related goals around their habits rather than the number on the scale. And um, something else that I've spoken to a little bit already and that you mentioned as well is that idea of all or nothing thinking. So there's good foods and there's bad foods. Um, And my approach is that all foods can fit. We eat for tons of different reasons. So we eat for health, um, but we also eat for enjoyment and for social reasons um, and making sure 
that you're satisfying all of those different aspects and recognizing that there's no food that you need to avoid completely in order to be healthy, I would say, is um, another big misconception or stereotype. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lindsay, you've been really active uh, here in the community. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do both with the, uh, tell us about the coalition, tell Mm -hmm. us about the group in wellness and Mm -hmm. what you're doing with them? Yeah, so as I mentioned, in addition to seeing clients one-on-one, I work with the Wellness Centre, which is um, the educational arm of Student Health Services on campus. So it's a peer-run centre, and they have a number of different groups that address different health and wellness issues on campus. So I work specifically um, with a group that looks at healthy eating, active living, and body image acceptance. And so we run a variety of different events over the course of the semester, Earlier this semester, we had a campaign called Mirrorless Mondays, um, where we decorated some chart paper with positive affirmations and had that up in some washrooms on campus over the mirrors to, um, again, support uh, looking to um, how you feel and some internal characteristic traits rather than gauging um, self-esteem based on what you see in the mirror. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. a great idea. Okay. And then next semester on January 30th, um, every year we run um, an eating disorder awareness expose. So on January 30th, which is a Thursday, we have um, space in the UC from 11 till 3. And we have a really fun event where we have a variety of on-campus and off-campus partners come and they have information about their resources and we try to include lots of fun and interactive activities. So we have um, a life-size model of Barbie, what Barbie would look like if she was life-size. We have um, mirror decorating, so you can decorate a mirror with positive affirmations and um, things that remind you of the traits that you're proud of or you enjoy about yourself. Um, We have cookie decorating. And that's part of um, a National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And so as you mentioned, um, I sit on the Eating Disorder Coalition um, in Guelph. And so we plan a few different events over the course of the year. But one of the big ones is a Faces of Recovery panel during that first week in February, um, where we have a few different individuals that come up and speak about um, their journey towards recovery from an eating disorder. I love how passionate you are about that and that you're willing to spend your time on that. And Mm -hmm. it is certainly my hope to um, maybe do some live recording at those events and uh, certainly to promote them as they come up because they're such worthwhile causes. And I think that um, it's my belief that part of how we're going to get rid of the stigma is by having things right out in the open. Mm -hmm. So I love that it's in the UC, right? Mm -hmm. Like right there in the center, we're not hiding this. Let's, let's talk about it openly. Um, if there were a few like myths or misconceptions that, uh, you could clear up around food, around eating disorders, around mental health and those kinds of issues, is there anything that you would want to kind of get out there so that people don't feel so ashamed and secretive of their struggles? I often see a lot of students struggling with an eating disorder um, and they struggle to get support from their social network or from their family um, and they may feel that um, it's all about the food or um, they might have had a family member tell them 
just eat. Um, and it really is not as simple as that. I like to take a holistic approach where I help them set food goals and food challenges, but I really suggest that they connect with other individuals like yourself or um, counselors that we have on campus, a medical doctor on campus, because um, for many mental health conditions and eating disorders specifically, food is just one aspect of the problem and just one symptom. Um, and it really is important to um, learn about yourself and learn about your habits and get to the root of some of your concerns so that you can move forward. Um, and that goes along with the idea of making changes that are healthy, realistic, and lasting. I see a lot of students that make extreme changes to their diet, or I see individuals with mental health concerns that are really frustrated about the place where they're at and um, they're able to recognize that some of the thoughts that they're having or some of the concerns that they're having may be irrational um, and they think well maybe I should just eat or maybe I should just get over it get over this and it's it's really not as simple as that so um, I mentioned that I try and create an open um, and non-judgmental environment but a lot of the counseling I do for them is about accepting where they're at right now um, so maybe you know where you want to be but we need to accept where you're at right now and we need to move forward I see a lot of students um, that are brushing off their habits and maybe not as concerned about their habits as I am or as their doctor is because they think, well, I, I'm normal weight and my friends haven't expressed a concern. I don't look any differently. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, the medical diagnosis that someone has um, means very little to me. And I often don't identify someone's habits or concerns as anorexia or bulimia or an eating disorder unless they've used that language themselves because there can be um, stigma and shame surrounding that diagnosis. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, it really doesn't matter what your actual diagnosis is, um, but you're identifying with some habits that you recognize maybe aren't ideal. Um, and I want to help you set goals to improve those habits regardless of what they are. So to, to sum up that piece, Lindsay, it really does sound like someone could come see you, even if they're not self-identifying as mm -hmm. having an eating disorder or any physical or mental illness, but because they realize that their relationship with food or their daily habits with food are not um, as healthy as they could be, mm -hmm. um, and that when they walk through the door, what they're going to get is not you know, someone assessing and labeling and diagnosing them, but instead someone just talking with them about you know, what works for you, what doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, it's a challenging environment to be at university. You do kind of get sick of the same calf foods over and yeah. over again. Um, and, uh, and there are lots of, um, unusual eating experiences like popping out at one in the morning after the bar closes to, mm -hmm. to grab something. And you can help people figure out how to have a healthier relationship with food generally. Yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity. As you mentioned, university life is a time of transition. You might be preparing food for yourself for the first time or grocery shopping for the first time. And so I think it's really great that students have the opportunity to book an appointment to chat with me. And again, it's um, free of charge for all University of Guelph students. So I have some students that don't even necessarily have a concern, but they, they found out that this is open to them and they figure that um, when they're in their 20s, for example, it's a good time to take a look at their habits and start to make sure that um, they're having habits that are going to be healthy for them long term and um, start to establish things that they can carry on for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I already know you, so I can speak to the fact that um, I have no hesitation referring people to you. I hope that someone listening would feel the same way, and uh, I think it really comes across in this interview that someone can walk in and, and really not have to worry that um, they're going to feel ashamed or they're going to feel mm-hmm. embarrassed of whatever they're struggling with, whether that is um, a mental health issue or a physical health issue or uh, maybe a response to medication or just some um, concerns around, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more of an athlete. How mm-hmm. do I support that? Or um, I want to try a vegetarian diet that really fits with my values. And how do I do that in a healthy way? Yeah. That there's really a broad range of things that um, you offer that could be helpful, but especially in the mental health community. I think I just love the idea that you take this health at every size approach mm-hmm. and somebody who uh, already beats themselves up around food could maybe t- come talk to someone who is not going to beat them up around food. Yeah. So I think that's an awesome service you provide. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and to mention the upcoming events. Those will all be um, on the website if you'd like more information. Tell people just once more if they want to reach you, how can they do that? Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is to either pop into reception at Student Health Services, which is on the first floor of the JT Powell building, and you can book an appointment with me that way, or you can call in its extension 52131 to reach reception. That's awesome. You also mentioned the Wellness Center, Mm -hmm. and um, how can people access that if they'd like? The Wellness Center is on the second floor of the J.T. Powell Building, and it's open Monday to Friday from 8.30 to 4.30. Um, So you can pop in, and there's always peer health educators staffing the center, and they can provide you with a variety of information and resources. Um, They have free condom and lube. They have info kits on a variety of health and wellness topics, Um, and it's just a really fun, relaxing place to check out. Terrific. And as always, uh, there is counseling services here on the third floor Mm -hmm. um, of the UC and um, doctors available through student health services as well. So if you have any concerns about your physical or mental well-being, um, it's my hope that you won't let shame or fears hold you back. And and instead, you'll pop in to see someone like Lindsay or one of the other many resources that are available on uh, the university campus. Thank you again, Lindsay, for taking the time. Thank you. Great to talk with you. If you've been inspired listening to Lindsay talk today, then by all means, come hear more at two fabulous free events happening over the next couple weeks here in Guelph. Don't let your fear of judgment or stigma hold you back. Come by yourself or with friends and family because really everyone can benefit from the information you'll get here. Sadly, eating disorders and body image disturbances are not limited to one specific population. Instead, they affect people of all ages, ethnicities, sexual orientations, genders, and socioeconomic statuses. So really, there is something here for everybody. The first event will be put on by the Wellness Center's Healthy Eating, Active Living, and Acceptance Without Limits groups. They are collaborating with on and off campus partners to run the Eating Disorder and Body Image Expose in celebration of National Eating Disorder Awareness Week uh, for 2014. This event is a four hour fair which will educate students and the community about health at every size eating disorders, body image, and related topics. There will be information boards, buttons, cookie decorating, and many other fun and interactive activities. This event will be happening in the UC on Thursday, January 30th from 11 to 3 p.m. So really hope that you will come out and support that event. 
There's a second event called the Faces of Recovery, which is a community panel discussion on eating disorders. This panel includes individuals who have recovered from an eating disorder, as well as family members who have helped their loved ones cope during this difficult struggle. This panel will be happening on Wednesday, February 5th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Best Western Royal Brock Hotel and Conference Center. That's at the corner of Gordon Street and uh, Stone Road here in Guelph. And admission to this event is also free. Please remember that you don't have to be someone struggling to benefit from these events. If you're a student hoping to be a therapist someday or a dietitian, or if you have a cousin or sibling who you've heard has some difficulties and you want to understand better, these events are for you. If you realize that you just actually don't know that much about eating disorders and body image disturbance beyond the tired stereotypes we've all heard, then come out to learn the truth. Open your mind so that you'll be less likely to discriminate or judge unfairly and instead increase your capacity to be an informed, compassionate friend, partner, or family member. I want to thank you so much for listening to my show this week. As always, I welcome your feedback uh, through my email at openminds.cfru.ca. Please feel free to uh, let me know what you liked or what you didn't or suggest topics for upcoming shows. Please remember, though, that I'm not available to give feedback around specific mental health issues. For that, I recommend you put aside your fear of stigma and go talk to your doctor, a family member, or a friend, a counselor, um, in some way reach out so that you can get the help you need. Thanks again and come back and join me next week.